Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Gonzo, also known as Super G, joining us on this Tuesday. Johnny, also known as the Italian Stallion, and Selman G, aka the CEO of Collecti Lab. So I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Bitcoin mining equipment is considered an unregistered security by the SEC as Amazon is diving into the NFT space, launching a new product this April. The BIS has completed testing for a CBDC project called Project Icebreaker, telling the world this is an inevitable upgrade coming to our financial system. Ripple versus the SEC's case summary judgment could come as soon as tonight, according to crypto lawyer John Deaton, as a new 57-page initial ruling was released by Judge Torres yesterday. With key witnesses being removed from the case, we break down the details, showing our community why the phoenix must burn before it rises. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, as you can tell, we've got some great news prepared for today, but the ripple news is what's at the forefront. We're going to talk about key witnesses being removed from the case. Before we do that, how you feeling, my friend? Thank you for being here. Abs, I'm doing great. Thank you very much for asking. And certainly uh, it is exciting news today. But the key question that everybody's asking in the audience, I love you guys too, is, is Gonzo having a bad hair day? Why don't we see that here? Can't wait to see what's going on there. I love you guys. Appreciate you guys. And good morning to all the word maniacs out there. Awesome, guys. And we're going to Super G next to answer the important <laughs> questions on this Tuesday. What's going on? Why aren't you giving the people what they're asking for? Yeah. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. I'm definitely having a bad hair day. Uh, you know, I wanted to sport my new hat. Shelly got me a new uh, 3T Warrior hat, so I wanted to, you know, check it out, but definitely a, a bad hair day. But yeah, just excited to be here. Uh, we got great stories today. Um, you know, we're going to talk about Ripple. You know, I was watching the uh, Powell talk, seeing what the market was doing. And just like on point, we went down and then we came back up again to where, uh, where the price action was right before he started talking. So it, it was funny. Absolutely, guys. And we got Selman G in the building as well. Selman, thank you for making time for us, my friend. How are you feeling? Thank you for being here. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome to the, I want to say non-fungible show again. Uh, good morning, crypto show. I'm very excited, Apps. Um, very excited for the news updates and also some some um, great updates maybe from coming from the Ripple case. So um, very happy to be here to discuss that with you all. And I see the chat is on fire as always. I'm pumped. Let's go. Awesome, guys. And we got 111 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Three ones on this Tuesday. I don't think it's a coincidence with all the positive news we're going to bring you. We're going to start this show off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. 
That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. We're about 20 followers away from 3,000. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Crypto Fear and Greed Index is sitting in neutral this morning at a 49, but some of the daily movers, it's red across the board as Engine Token and XRP are the only two projects not in the negative. When we check out the total coin market cap, we are sitting at 1.01 trillion this morning. Bitcoin is 42% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. Bitcoin is sitting at 22,300. Ethereum, 1,500. XRP, 38 cents. Cardano is 32. Matic, 114. Chainlink, 68. Let's scroll down to Quant, which is at 124 this morning. And Selman, it's your first time on the show this week, so I'm kicking it right to you, my friend. What are some of the projects that you've been keeping an eye on? And is there anything that catches your attention besides XRP today? I'm actually looking at Bitcoin XRP only at the moment because Bitcoin is sitting above a certain support of a channel. And um, if we lose that level, uh, we might easily go back down to 21K. We were testing 21,900 this morning. Um, but, you know, still, we'll see. That that's, uh, support is still very strong. S&P doesn't look that great at the moment. So it's a little scary. Uh, let's see if the economic structure, the macroeconomic events, you know, will have a lagging effect on crypto. But XRP has this big descending triangle. But, you know, right now, giving its best to break above 38 cents again, if we can break that falling trend about 38, cool things might happen. And also with the Ripple case, maybe there are still like new rumors on Twitter I've seen this morning. So I kind of feel like, okay, is it because of that? Because the market is down, XRP is up. Yeah. Curious, and I would love to discuss that uh, with you guys today. Well, guys, we're going to dive right into our topics, and we're starting off with John Deaton almost being removed from the Ripple case, noting an important detail here from Eleanor Tourette. She said, it's worth noting that SEC lawyers tried to get Judge Torres to ban John Deaton from participating in this case, partially because he disclosed the name of their key expert witness. Not only did she not ban him, she agrees with him that this expert should not testify about XRP holders. So this is some really positive news for everyone involved with this lawsuit. And Johnny, maybe it's why everybody who's been a part of this lawsuit has been so confident over these last couple of weeks. Whether it's Brad Garlinghouse, Stuart Alderati, or anybody else involved with this case, they've been making bold statements. And this is the first step towards a resolution. So I'd like to get some thoughts before we dive into an article. <laughs> yeah, you know, Deaton kudos to Deaton out there. I wish we could get him on the show, but uh, you know, good for him for, for going out there and exposing them. And more importantly, he's been passionate about this uh, trial from day one, right? When he went up there and, and stepped up for the people, all the XRP hodlers and tried to get them as part of the case. And if you remember that was actually rejected, but he did get approval to be uh, an amicus, something along the amicus type um, uh, inclusion. So that makes that a friend of the court. So good for Kuda, uh, good for him for being able to bring that in there. We need we need to continue to see uh, people fighting for that. So uh, Deaton has uh, definitely been a, I think, a good add to this whole entire trial case. I don't think uh, Ripple had expected that to happen out the gate. Absolutely, guys, and we're going to kick it right to you, Gonzo. After we play this Jeremy Hogan video talking about the latest update and stating how this is a positive news for the Ripple case, she does make a few references where. You know, hey, this is something that really is going to be hotly contested that I think would preclude summary judgment. But more in line with what Jeremy's saying, she did make a lot of also side comments like, I'm really going to be narrowing this down. And you don't have a lot, as, as Jeremy said, to hang your head on, hat on SEC. Like, this is going to be set up where it's going to be hard for you to win. And, you know, again, that could be not only is that legally correct, but that's also her telegraphing, you know, 
you can still settle this on some more favorable terms to you, uh, SEC, if you really want, but your time's running out. Gonzo, if that's not music to your ears, I don't know what is. Judge Torres basically is saying that the SEC should settle unless they want an outright loss in this case. So I'd like to get some of your thoughts, and then I'll provide some additional details. Yeah, you know, she's definitely seems like she's starting to strip down the case and kind of get to this focus point. And I've seen this in criminal cases before where the judge kind of tips their hand and it's letting them know that, hey, you should probably take a deal because I'm about to I'm about to hammer you. Right. And so it could be this thing where she's kind of tipping her hand to let the SEC know, because we know that Brad Garlinghouse has already said they're willing to settle, but they want. Uh, certain things met right and they, it seems like the sec wasn't willing to do that so this could be the judge telegraphing hey sec you should probably make a deal and give them what they want because i'm about to hammer you absolutely guys and check out this other update here it says no matter who wins this case whether it's the sec or ripple we are most likely going to see an appeal and judge torres has hinted at this several times throughout the case but selman i do want to get your thoughts on this as we heard jeremy hogan say or we're about to play this they have no choice here. It seems that all of the arguments are in favor of Ripple because they cannot execute on all four prongs of the Howie test. Was XRP an investment contract? That's what they're debating right now. But the fact that they were expecting reasonable profits from Ripple is the main thing that's under dispute. So I'd like to ask you before we play this video, do you believe that XRP holders who are purchasing this currency were anticipating profits from Ripple? And if so, will that be proven in court? Um, actually, it's you know part of the crypto the investment, you know, um, game, I would say where, you know, there are speculators. We, we just, we don't even use the products. Actually we buy and just hold it back in case it goes up right in a bull market. And when central banks print money, that's pretty much it. And so basically trading the news, blah, 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 all of that combined. Obviously there are some people that are hoping to, you know, see some returns, especially now, um, while we're, you know, coming to an end of this, right? Everybody's hoping that Ripple wins and, you know, that will be mean by the rumors, sell the news. And you can see a quick, you know, uh, pump for XRP, uh, maybe to 90 cents a dollar. But that is not like directly related to like Ripple. Ripple is not guaranteeing you or promising you a return, right? It, they're just developing um, a product, a uh, technology, and, um, it's it's public. It's decentralized. You can make use of that. Obviously, all their statements can um, affect the price positively or negatively. Um, but so the SEC would then go and see if like they had any comments that can directly, you know, maybe they intentionally just like Elon Musk did, did with like Dogecoin that, you know, made it pump. Um, and uh, in this case, you know, we know that they're also trading XRP. So was there something that would be another uh, topic? But directly um x i don't believe that ripple had like any intentions of like pumping a price um or um or promising people hey buy this it's going to go up in value so i, I would say it, it will um the howie test is not really relevant for xrp and john deaton seems to agree selman and before we dive into that we got 194 live listeners joining us show us some love smash that like button and check out the latest update from the ripple case as Judge Torres released an initial ruling yesterday, which is the first step towards actually getting a summary judgment. The judge has issued a 57-page ruling on both parties' motions to exclude expert testimony from summary judgment arguments. At first glance, neither Ripple nor the SEC is winning here, but as we dive into the details, some key witnesses were, were removed from both parties. Neither side gets everything that they asked for because neither side had an impeccable argument for everything that it wanted. And Judge Torres says there's no clear winner or loser that can be derived from the ruling, 
but the wind goes to ripple when it comes to the most important outcomes of this initial ruling. The exclusion of the number one witness, Patrick Duty, is is this is who the SEC had hired to analyze the expectations for XRP buyers. The SEC must prove that investors had reasonable expectation of profits in order to buy XRP. And the judge has struck the SEC's only expert witness on that subject. So now how the heck is the SEC going to prove reasonable reliance? Who will testify? This is just Jeremy Hogan thinking out loud. So I'm kicking it right back to you, Johnny. Very bold statements once again, but Jeremy Hogan is painting a clear picture here. They don't even have the tools in place to make this argument going forward. If this isn't a win for Ripple, I'm not sure what is, but what does it mean to you? And then we'll go to Gonzo. Well, I mean, I'm not sure you can get a much bigger win than that, Abs. If your number one witness, number one, not the number two, the number two, but your number one guy is removed, <laughs> what argument do you have? So, and, and especially if the key argument they were trying to make, as you, as we've all heard, is, oh, there was an expectation of profit, which, I, you know, let's face it, you know, someone already said it. Whenever you buy a cryptocurrency, we're all buying it because we expect an increase in value. Let, let's be honest, right? Unless you're buying a stable coin, you're buying it because you expect it to go up. So I don't think it's an argument there. I'm just fascinated at how this guy blew it that he actually got removed. Totally a huge win, in my opinion, or at least, you know, if I, if I was keeping score here, that's certainly, you know, one nil right now for Ripple. Gonzo, how funny is it that previously the SEC just stated we should remove John Deaton from this case because he doesn't think Patrick Duty should be involved? Well, the judge agrees. Just a couple of weeks later, not only does John Deaton get to remain in this case, they remove the man that he was referencing. So I'd like to get some of your thoughts there. Yeah, so it, it seems like with the judge removing him, they kind of took off the table the reasonable expectation of profit. So it seems like what they're going to focus on or what she's going to focus on is the other parts of it, right? Which is probably the investment contract. But bottom line is, is we're either going to get the SEC wins, Ripple wins, or we go to a jury trial, right? But really what we care about or the most important part of this is the secondary sales part, right? So regardless of who wins, as long as the secondary sales are not considered a security, then that's what we're, we all win, right? And that's the most important part of it. But it does seem, like I said before, that she's kind of stripping away the extra and we're starting to kind of get down to the nitty gritty. And Selman, it's clear detail here. Somebody's going to appeal, whether it Ripple who loses or the SEC who loses, they're not going to let this thing die without going to the Supreme Court or at least trying to make an argument as to why that shouldn't be the ruling. I'd like to get some of your thoughts before we hear from Jeremy Hogan. What do you believe to be the case? Do you believe that this expert being removed is a massive win for Ripple? So I'm actually like... Uh, more focused on um, what Gonzo said, right? Like that—that that is more important part. Like what happen? What happens right now with the case is like uh, more of a, or you know, them um, removing that person mainly focuses on just the issuance of XRP and the first selling, right? For me personally, I, I believe the secondary sales, and I was checking out the chat as well. The secondary sales, for example, shouldn't be like an issue at all because it's a decentralized token it's out there you can't take it back it's out there decentralized right any node operator can run on it ripple has less than like um like they only have like four or five nodes as far as i know so uh, all i want to say is all that, that what is happening right now is just uh, mainly focusing on the issuance of the xrp and just um would affect that and i would say even in that case um ripple has the better cards but when it comes to us as investors, I believe, you know, for us, it's going to be 
It's super easy. Uh, we will win this case because the secondary sales won't be touched. So I would say in ratio, all of that combined, I would say, yes, um, we have the better cards. So Ripple and the, the investors. Absolutely, guys. And look at this other update we got from John Deaton yesterday. He says the, the SEC is making this shit up as it goes regarding to crypto. In the Rippleverse SEC case, they argued that the Hinman emails were his personal opinion, not guidance. Then when Judge Torres ordered those emails to be discoverable, they flipped the script and argued that it was guidance for corporate finance. So what does that tell me? This isn't about protecting investors. This is about a money grab for the SEC. This is about grabbing control and getting the hands of Gary Gensler around this entire market. And we've referenced this before, Gonzo. Tony Edward came on our show and said the president of the United States gave the CFT, the SEC, and the OCC the green light to go and get all these crypto companies and bring them under traditional finance jurisdiction. So this is another example of that. Is this important to you that they're flipping their arguments on the him and emails? Does that show you what their real incentive is here? Is that for me, Abs? Yeah. I, I mean, dude, I, I mean, don't – you can look at what's happened these last few weeks – with Operation Choke Point, and you can see that there's a full-on war going on against crypto, right? Uh, with the attack on Silvergate, um, our, the liquidity is being choked out of crypto, right? And so we're not getting an influx of money in um, and because they're attacking that pressure point, right? And then we can, we're going to talk about it later. You're going to show you had all these Bitcoin maxis that were all excited because, uh, you know, Gensler came out and said that everything's a security, but that Bitcoin wasn't, well, if you, when you go over the next story, you're going to see that now they're going after crypto mining, right? So even Bitcoin isn't safe. And this is where me and Az were talking about this earlier, that like all this toxicity and this tribalism needs to go away because it's not us against each other. It's us against the regulator, right? And what happens in these next few years is going to determine uh, where crypto goes as an asset class. And Johnny, you remember this info, inside information, but I want to remind our listeners right now, Thinking Crypto spoke to an inside source within the government, breaking down the attack on crypto that's happening today, also labeled Operation Choke Point 2.0. This person worked within the government and is now operating within the crypto industry today. And he says the green light was, he said the attack on crypto was greenlighted from the top, coming down from the Biden administration. This is why you see the SEC and CFTC, as well as other agencies, targeting crypto in parallel. And that's why Gary Gensler isn't afraid of the consequences that could come from an unfavorable ruling in this case. We're about to break down what Gonzo just referenced, how the SEC is now tr trying to label Bitcoin miners as investment contracts. And if that doesn't show you they're going after everything, I don't know what does. But guys, we got 254 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and let the algorithm pump this out to as many people as possible because Gary Gensler is trying to become the U.S. Treasurer of the United States and I can only imagine what that would happen. So, Johnny, give me some thoughts here. Stage three. Then they fight you. And it's going to be a battle, and it's going to go on for multiple years. And we all knew it was coming this year because Gensler told us last year, in 2023, he was coming after the exchanges. And he wasn't kidding. He's coming after anything and everything. Uh, it's greenlit. And at the end of the day, as I told you, Abs, all this is is this is a grab to get their grips into something that they can't stop, but they certainly can regulate and control. And that's what you're seeing. You're just seeing all the things being shifted and put in place <clears throat> for that to happen. It's just going to take a couple of years to get there. And until we do, you know, we're going to be going through these ups and downs together. Of what this means, you're going to see exchanges closing. 
coins going away, new things happening, and so on and so forth. But what you really hope, what you really have to do is you have to be smart enough to sift through all the, you have to wipe out all the noise and look into where is the true utility in these spaces and what is the best place to make. You make those investments and then, you know, it's a waiting game. Now, another thing that, for example, Kev Kevin O'Leary brought up uh, months ago, or la let's say last year, early last year, he was talking about how regulation is key in order to make this, um, you know, part of the S&P, right? And um, to bring the big institutions um, to invest in this space. And, you know, we hear about like exploits a lot and um, it, all these bridges uh, between chains always, you know, um, get, you know, get hacked, etc., um, and all of that is really scaring away. I, I, personally, you know, we have Mark Yasko. He is, he loves crypto, but there are probably many institutions also that are scared. What if I invest like a billion dollar into this space and then I lose it? Because it's just a wild west, right? And so I can completely understand that um, the Biden administration or, you know, Gary Gainster wants to regulate the space. But the problem is um, they're not doing it that professionally. I would, uh, I would argue because uh, the uh, European Union is doing it better. Uh, the UAE is doing it way better than um, America, because here's a, a thing. All crypto projects, all these developers that are, they are actually saying that there is no clear um, guidance, no clear instruction on how to um, make sure that we're regulated, how to make sure that we are uh, compliant uh, with the law. And, um, And so that is the problem that we that we're facing here. There is no clear guidance. You just pray and hope that you do everything correctly, and then all of a sudden, you never know. Maybe in a year or two, SEC is at your door, right? And that's a messed up situation. This is why many projects in the U.S. are moving away, and this is why America, I would say, is losing so much potential, losing this market uh, for you know um, foreign countries. You know, there there is light at the end of the tunnel, Abs. I mean, while they're attacking our on and off ramps, you see other entities that are making moves to fix that situation, right? Look at Kraken. Um, they're, they're, they're making moves to become a bank, which now it kind of makes a lot of sense because when, when they had the lawsuit for the staking thing, they didn't fight that at all. They just kind of settled and they moved on from it. And a lot of people, I know I was frustrated because I had a lot of stuff staked on Kraken. But now when you hear them that they're making moves to become a bank, it makes sense that they're they're not trying to cause waves because they have a bigger idea in mind. And and it makes sense, right? If they're attacking our on and off ramps, if Kraken can become its bank and become an on and off ramp for not just themselves, but the other entities, um, you know, they, they have more control on what happens. Absolutely, Gonzo. And I think that's a great time to play Coach JV's video from yesterday, breaking down why Kraken becoming a bank is so important. In a podcast that they are going to become a bank. And don't forget how the players moved around the game. Brian Brooks, head legal counsel of Coinbase, became the head of the OCC, allowing federally chartered thrifts and banks to become cryptocurrency banks. And then the SEC sues Kraken for high interest rates or high yields or staking. And they comply. And now they're going to become a bank. I told you guys, Kraken, Coinbase, and Ripple will all become banks. And that's the most important thing that I'm taking away from this entire narrative, Gonzo. They understand what's coming. The biggest players in this market are working with companies like Coinbase behind the scenes. And this next video ties perfectly into that. As Brian Armstrong is talking about how many of the most influential banks on the planet have already approached Coinbase about custody services. Here we go. Everybody from you know, JP Morgan, 
Visa and MasterCard, Franklin Templeton, they all have, they have projects and, and teams internally working on how to integrate crypto into their services. And I think the reason for that is that 80% you know, of Americans are not happy with the current financial system as it is today. They think it's, it's too slow, the fees are too high, it doesn't serve everybody equally. And a lot of the technology was built 40 years ago, the laws were 100 years ago. Yeah. So people are really excited about how crypto as a technology can help improve and update the financial system. And so this is the ongoing battle, right, Gonzo? Not only can crypto enhance the ecosystem, but they understand this is what's coming. So what are they going to do? They're going to move everybody into the private sector. It's going to be private blockchains, central bank digital currencies, backed government-backed digital currencies. The last thing they want is something uncontrolled like Bitcoin or a decentralized currency like some of the others. Why would they want to relinquish that control? There's no benefit to them. And this is, I'm going to give you the floor here, but it ties perfectly into the article we're going to talk about later, where the BIS is perfecting CBDCs behind the scenes right now, stating that once they get cross-border payments down, this is coming to the world. This is the upgrade that's in the works. And by August 9th, 2025, we are going to see massive implementation when it comes to CBDCs. Gonzo, I'd love to get some thoughts there. What do you think about Brian Armstrong stating many of these big banks have already approached Coinbase behind the scenes? Yeah, I mean, I think once we get all the regulation worked out and the whole custodian definition and all that, um, I think Coach GV is 100% correct. We're going to get some type of meld of bank, exchange, and custody, those three things, right? Because that's where the money's made. And whether it's going to be Kraken, Ripple, JP Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, whatever that is, you're going to see a meld of those. And once regulation kicks in, uh, whoever's left standing, that's what, that's what we're going to have, right? And it, it makes sense because, you know, we know why we're in this space. But when you talk about the ordinary person that doesn't know what Kraken is or maybe doesn't trust Coinbase, they do trust JP Morgan, right? And so when it comes to like custodying their crypto, they're going to lean on those places that they've known now for years. So it makes sense that all of this is going to start to get melded together. 100%. And Johnny Crypto, the fact that we are debating whether the private sector should take hold here or the public sector, it just shows that they don't have our best interest in mind. The only person it benefits to launch a private blockchain is the people who currently have control. So not only does it surprise me that traditional finance is going to companies like Coinbase, it's no surprise to me at all that the BIS is already piloting a successful CBDC project. And you know what they're calling it? Project Icebreaker. So I want to get some of your thoughts there, Johnny. How do you feel about the global rollout of CBDCs and the fact that even though in the United States we're debating this, we know it's inevitable. Well, I mean, <laughs> how do I feel about it? We've already discussed that multiple times on this show. I think the way to look at it is you always look to see what the BIS is doing. All the central banks report you know, into the BIS. So the reality is whatever the BIS is doing, that's what's coming. And no surprise there. We've all been saying that we see CBDCs coming. Now, what would be interesting what would be highly interesting to know here is under this project icebreaker, what exactly did they use? What were the trial? What were the technologies? Was it the XRP or what, what do they use for bridge tests? That's important because whatever they use, most likely they're going to start funneling that down into the, the central bank. So it'll be very, very interesting if we can uncover what's happening there. Absolutely, guys. So let's break down some of the details for our listeners here. The Bank of International Settlements has successfully completed a pilot working on retail CBDCs. This project is going to be called Project Icebreaker, and the press released this on March 6th. So they actually launched this in three countries originally, Israel, Norway, and Sweden. And the regulator said, unlike domestic payments, cross-border payments are still very expensive and slow in this current CBDC platform. 
So we scrolled down in the article to look for some more details. And the BIS was not willing to share one single detail when it came to cross-border payments, Johnny. So not only is it not a surprise to me that they don't want to share that information, it tells me where their head is at. They want to move the, all of this money into the private sector, and they're not going to give up the control that already exists today. They're going to add to it. So Gonzo, love to get some of your thoughts, and we'll kick it around the group. Yeah, like, like you were just saying, um, you know, domestic payments – is not an issue. It's the cross-border payments, right? And it's because these different technologies or these different systems don't talk to each other. And so what these guys are, are, are saying or what they're working on is each country or each entity creates its own CBDC using whatever rails they want. And then they connect in their hub, this project icebreaker, right? And then there's some type of bridge currency. Now, what we don't know and they, what they won't tell us is, is it a private bridge currency like XRP or XLM or something like that? Um, or is it something that they build, right? Um, and so that remains to be seen. I think what's exciting is like what Coach Shady talked about in his video this morning is that you see where the technology is going. You see where DLT is going. So when people tell us that, you know, cryptocurrency is a scam or that there's no use case for blockchain, you're actually seeing, you're seeing it being deployed right here in front of us. Selman, give me some of your thoughts as well. Gonzo brings up something so important. The BIS is setting themselves up to be the interoperability between CBDCs. What does that mean? They're going to have control. So I'd like to get some of your thoughts. How do you feel about the BIS going out, being like Gary Gensler, grabbing whatever they can with their hands when it comes to this market? It's really shady that they don't want to share any details with us, right? Um, and so does this also include like any uh, technical parts, like um, the software kind of Nothing. solution? Nothing. Nothing. Wow. Wow, this is like a you know a nice uh, closed box, and um, all I can say is yeah, we we've been talking about this uh, for a long time now. CBDCs, obviously the uh, the privacy issue that we that we're facing here, and and how um, since we don't know the te technological um, aspect of it, we we could also assume just like we know from other from Chinese yuan, um, they have control, right? They can really they can burn it. They can do pretty much everything. It's not decentralized. So um, it's going to be a threat. Um, and it's very too early to uh, to say much. We, we're just speculating, of course. But seeing that Israel and two more countries that are actually like economic powers, right? These are uh, what was the third one? You said Norway, um, Israel and um, I think it was Sweden. Let me just double check here. It I mean, was Sweden. Yeah, it was it's Sweden. Sweden. Yeah, economic Sweden, powers. Norway, these are economic Israel. wealthy countries, right? And so when you see these guys are uh, working on it, then it means okay, hey guys, pilot projects with third world countries. That's done. That's done. They are going. They're implementing in in wealthy countries now. And so you see, 2025 is right around the corner. I would even say it's going to be uh, before that, um, way before that. So we could even hear a lot at the end of this year. Um, but it's it's shady. I don't like it. Um, but um, I'm also curious what people in the chat think about CBDCs and what the BIS is basically doing. But yeah, th that's my point, Debs. Absolutely, Salman. We got 318 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, the whole thing that catches my attention in this whole ordeal is if it's 2023 and they're perfecting this technology, 
where are we in just five years? Because as we know, just yesterday it was 2020 and tomorrow it's going to be 2030. If this is the stuff they're perfecting in the background and getting ready to roll out into the public, I'm sure they're going to use the next fear tactic, whatever that is, to convince people that this is what's necessary. Now, it could be a liquidity run. It could be a collapse of decentralized finance. It could be the fact that many of these stable coins turn out to be fraudulent. I don't know what the narrative could be. But what this tells me is they're getting ready to shift everyone away from decentralized into the centralized products that they're creating behind the scenes. And I'd like to know when you believe that may take place. Yeah, you know, so this this is one of those things, Abs, where you have to go through and make sure that you get it all set up. It's got to be working in the whole entire system and debug. And you're talking more, you know, expansive central bank system. I forgot how many overall central banks we have. I think it was over 200 or something. So to get them all operational, it's going to take time. I think we've heard somewhere in the 2025, period 2025 to 2027 i think is when you can expect to see a rollout but they'll start this won't be one of those things where uh you know you just flip the switch they'll start with a few to make sure it's you know so they're doing the trials and then once the trial then they'll start rolling it out into probably you know either the lower hanging fruit type situations and they'll roll those out first and then i think you'll see full expansion probably over this decade but exactly when, you know, if I had to take a guess, I'd say somewhere between 2025 and 2027, somewhere in that time frame, I think you'll see the system up and running. Um, they won't have it, you know, fully, you know, I think operational, efficient, all that. That'll probably all come later, but I think they'll get it out somewhere in that time frame. Thank you, Johnny. And we want to give our listeners an update on Ripple currently working on a private ledger as opposed to the public blockchain that exists today. There's been many disputes about whether Ripple is building a private ledger to facilitate payments between banks. And one of the most prominent employees responsible for RippleNet commented on this back in 2021. Monica Long said that tokenization has always been a key feature of the XRPL with over 5,400 issued tokens since inception. CBDCs will live on a new private ledger and run parallel to the XRPL using XRP as a bridge for interoperability within other currencies. And Gonzo, I'm going right to you here because you just described what the BIS is doing. Ripple is doing a very similar thing, using XRP as that bridge for interoperability. So let's have an open discussion here. Do you believe that the BIS and Ripple are competing or are these guys working together behind the scenes, developing one product to move us all in this direction? Yeah, you know, that's a tough question, Abs, because, you know, while... You know, and again, we hate CBDCs, but they're coming, right? The best that we can hope for is that they build CBDCs and they use XRP as a bridge currency because we're all invested in XRP. Um, I think what we're going to have is um, like what the BIS thing was talking about. You're going to have different private entities that build CBDCs for them, whether that's uh, Ripple, XLM, Quant. I mean, you name it, you're going to have different CBDCs right that are created and then there's going to be like what they're trying to do the central hub that kind of communicates with everything and there's a bridge currency somewhere in the middle we're hoping that it's xrp but it could be something else that they create or something that we can't even invest in that remains to be seen but i i i feel like that's the way it's going to end up working out now even though they don't use our bridge currency there could be some value in just the building of the cbdc and how that works uh, and not at the connection point, kind of where the BIS is. Salma, me and you had an interesting conversation a couple of months ago. We were talking about the development on the XRPL being much more difficult than some of the other blockchains. And obviously, 
People like us, we talk about this stuff every day, but when it comes to the XRP, I'd like for you to address, is it difficult to develop on that particular blockchain? And could that be a hurdle for many of the big banks looking to leverage this tech? Um, it's it's a very like hard to explain, um, or let's say, okay, here's the thing. Um, XRPL, last week on the Non-Fungible Show, we talked about gaming. And we have people that love NFTs and believe XRPL is going to be the hub for NFTs, right? Way crazier than Ethereum, maybe. Some people believe in that, or gaming. But um, the beauty of the crypto space is there are different niches in the space. Some people focus on um, on these like certain indie games. Some people focus on um, like decentralized applications, maybe, right, um, of certain like for certain industries, we have supply chain management, all of that. And then we have Ripple XRPL, for example, which is mainly Ripple, we know, mainly focused on financial um, institutions, et cetera, right? For, uh, for CBDCs and all of that, um, for, for the financial system, basically. So, um, and it would be bad, actually, or is it's not really smart when, Ripple is already doing a fantastic job with the uh, with um, you know XRP making a payment you know creating that payment system to go and say hey guys we're developing gaming as well they're using all their resources just on networking with central banks with big institutions to bring financial system make it easier for everyone um, and cost efficiently so when you have that. Um, obviously, you know, it, it's a question like, do you really need smart contracts on XRPL? Obviously, it would be cool to develop the same things that you can develop on Ethereum. So at the moment, these so-called smart contracts, also hooks, will be introduced um, uh, this year on the XRPL. So you don't have the normal traditional smart contract um, um, integration on XRPL. It's more like a native structure that they have. Even NFTs just came out in November, uh, even though NFTs... On Ethereum, we're there since 2017, right? So XRPL is very slow when it comes to these kind of things, which is fine because XRPL's main mission is to make the financial system more cost efficient and faster, right? And when it comes to payments. And so this is why, you know, it's a, it's a hard question to say. It, it depends on where you're coming from and what you want to do with the XRPL. If you're a gamer, probably not the best choice. But when you want to build something for financials, great choice. Love that, Selman. And Christine Lagarde, the head of the ECB, shared a similar sentiment. We're going to play this short 60-second clip here and go back to the group. Here we go. difference will not be between those who are disrupted and those who um, survive, but it will be between those who are cannibalized because they are not seeing it coming and they're not embracing it, and those who self-induce that cannibalization. And I'm using cannibalization on purpose because it's a bit of a striking, horrible word. But it's really what it means. It's you're going to disrupt your business model. You're going to change it. You're going to reduce your cost. You're going to expedite your transactions. And you're going to continue to inspire confidence because you will build that on the basis of an existing backbone, which is your bank and the confidence relationship that you've established with your customers. Think about that, Johnny. What does that remind you of right there? The answer is Hester Pierce from a couple of weeks ago who stated that this shift was going to happen behind the scenes with the big banks. And retail investors like us are just going to say, wow, look at how fast settlement speeds are. Well, what did Christine Lagarde just say? Anybody who's not working with these companies to upgrade their technology is not only going to die, they're going to be canalized by the competitors in this industry. So I'm going to kick it to you, open floor, and then Gonzo. What does it mean, my friend? Yeah, basically, you know, there's an old saying that says if you're not willing to cannibalize yourself, somebody else will cannibalize you for you. So either you adapt or you die. 
That's just the bottom line. That's what's going to happen here. And so you're going to see the banks that that do will do that. And the ones that don't will will be in a lot of trouble moving forward. The reality is once all these systems are in place, the funny thing is to the end user, a lot of it really isn't going to look different. You know, right now, today, if I go to send Gonzo, you know, money through Venmo or Cash App, I can do it. And, you know, I press a button and he's going to have it there within seconds. Right. So the reality is from it's really weird. You're not looking at a front. This this technology aren't going to necessarily change the front end of what consumers see. It's all a lot of the back end type stuff, which is where all the cost is. And that's why these systems are exciting to them because it's going to reduce costs. It's going to allow them to put more money in their pockets at the end of the day. Uh, and unfortunately, the other side benefit is the element of control that we all know comes along with a CBDC. And to me, that is where the that is where the real challenge or risk is. And all of our users here know that already that. It's one of those things. It's a slippery, slippery slope apps. But for the banks that don't move or don't don't see it coming, yeah, they're going to get slaughtered. And Johnny, I know we focused on the Ripple news and the lawsuit this morning, but there was another massive partnership that was inked this week as Ripple has just got some fresh news out of Dubai that XRP is going to be leveraged for cross-border payments. So I'm going to read this short thing and go to Gonzo. Ripple could be a great enabler for money transfer entities to scale up for affordable cross-border payments instant settlement and continuous liquidity access with their on-demand liquidity using XRP on the platform. So people often say, well, are they really using XRP? They can leverage all these different technologies. XRP is the most efficient technology in their ecosystem. So why would they leverage something else? This is what does the best. Gonzo, I'd like to get your thoughts. Yeah. You know, uh, going back to like what Johnny was saying, you know, it's innovation and it's technology. And if they don't jump on that train, they're going to get left behind. Uh, when you were playing that video, you know, what I was thinking about, I was thinking about like disruptive technologies and these companies in the past that have been disruptive to their, um, to kind of their use case or their kind of field, whether it was Google, Tesla, Microsoft, all very disruptive at their beginning point. Uh, and they were all sued. And so I was thinking about that. What I was thinking about is, is it makes sense to me that Ripple is this disruptive. This, that XRP and what Ripple created is this disruptive technology. So of course they would get sued just like the other ones did, right? Just like I'm sure at some point in the future, let's say 40, 50 down, 50 years down the road, when when uh, Ripple is now the incumbent, some new technology is going to come to kind of disrupt them, right? That, that's kind of like the cycle of things and how they work. And we're talking about economic cycles, Gonzo. This is what America is going through right now. It's no coincidence that we're going through a digital revolution because the printing press has been infinitely printing for the last 70 years. So now we need a new way to monetize ourselves. And that's what's hinting at. We are moving into a concept where the private ledger is the control mechanism. The central bank digital currencies will operate the entire, what's the word I'm looking for? They will fuel the entire economy. And we're seeing that set up right here. So I'm going to let the short clip play and go back to the group. Here we go. We've only been getting 20% in the year 2001 and 1944. We're getting it now, but we're spending so much. And if you look at the new numbers in the next 10 years, we will spend 10.5 trillion just on interest. If you look at how much we spent on over, interest- I got the over on that, but- No, but look- No, since, I got the over. Since 19, yeah, a lot more than that. But since 1940 today, more than 80 years, we've only spent 9 trillion on interest. This is what will break America. Every great society collapses when they. So, Johnny, I'm, I'm going to pause it there. He goes on to break down those statements, but that's what I mean when I talk about like divine timing. There's no such thing as coincidences. The government launches this technology in 2009, knowing that they're going to run this printing press for the remaining decade. 
create some sort of an economic collapse, a liquidity crisis, and then roll out a product to solve that issue, giving them more control on the back end. This is what we're seeing today, and it's been coordinated. I'd like to just get your thoughts on those statements. Uh, you just described the problem, reaction, solution, right? That's where we're heading, but you, you can't you can't do it without having those elements in place. And they're all, they are all in place, Abs, and that's why the next this decade is going to be a very, very interesting decade. Don't forget what happened 100 years ago. Right. History doesn't repeat itself, but it often resembles itself. And in the 1920s, it was a very, very rough time. And we had the largest, you know, what we call the Great Depression and the bank runs and everything. It was a really, really tough time in America um, back then. And you know, it's not surprising that's 100 years later and within the same decade. Right. The 20s. Now we're seeing, you know, a resemblance of, again, a disaster happening in America. So keep an eye on that over the next, you know, this decade, I think, is going to be. um I think it's going to be a tough one for everyone. Hopefully, you know, those that position themselves properly, you know, could do it well. Someone put a great, great comment in here that, you know, when the SEC sues you, you're either going to die or, or as Gonzo was explained before, you're going to explode. And so we know we saw Amazon explode, Tesla explode, Microsoft explode after being sued by the SEC. God, we all I know we all hope that the next one to explode is Ripple. And that's going to change the lives of many of us here. And we're talking about like public ledger and all of that, right? How the new technology is going to simply um, simply make us print money again. Uh, not us, the elites, right? Print money again. Life will continue as it was. But this time they're just like, I, I'm very curious how, how they are going to like get rid of all the trillions of dollars in debt, right? That new system is going to be interesting. But it's people should understand like interest, on debt, right? That is the main killer. So literally, he says over 80 years, we only paid nine trillion. And now in the last you know, few years, we pay like that amount of money just in one or two years. That is scary, guys. People are not really talking about that. But like, you always hear how um, the whole system, unfortunately, runs on that how people buy, you know, real estate with, uh, like with a debt and then they have their tenant paying that. And so uh, they're making cash flow and the, you know, uh, the tenant is paying on that plus the interest and all of that. This is, this is making the nation poor and certain groups richer, right? Unfortunately, this is how the game is, but people think that it, it is what it is, that this system was always like that, but it's not, it's something that it has been created like hundred years ago. So it's, but because we were born into that system, it feels like it is, what it is it's you know god given but it's actually not and um um I, but i'm very very much of a believer that people will wake up to this and we will see massive reforms not now maybe in the next couple decades but people will wake up to this and um finally we'll see the, these huge generational shifts happening nationwide and guys, if you're looking to be around a group of people who are awake towards this, you're going to have an opportunity in April because on April 15th, our entire community is getting together in Phoenix to have our Freedom Conference, which is our annual conference we host every year. Everybody on this live stream is going to be there. And also Andrew Cashflow, Jackie, Coach JV, all the other members of our team. And I want to remind people, this is where me and Johnny Crypto met. So some special things take place at these events. These are mind-opening, mind-exploding events. And I really hope that a lot of our listeners are there. I'd love to meet some of you guys in person. Anybody have any additional comments, Johnny, on this Freedom Conference? I know there's only 70 tickets. They may already be sold out. I'm not sure, but I'm just reminding people in case they have an opportunity, this is a chance to go. 
you know, Abs, one thing I'll say about something like this is this, you know, it's a great place to network. It's really great. You come in, you get to, to learn, you know, not only will there be a bunch of different um, topics we'll be talking about and educating in, in the health, in the mindset and crypto space, um, but also friendships are made, partnerships are made, things that you, you know, you wouldn't expect. So I would encourage folks to come check it out, uh, especially if you want to meet this team here, everybody, all these beautiful faces below me, you get to meet all them. But more importantly, it's those important, you know, uh, in-person bondings and conversations that are so crucial that I found uh, to be helpful. So, yeah, I encourage everybody to come. Abs is right. There's limited tickets. And I know it's, you know, it's going to sell out. So uh, don't don't wait. There's limited seating. You're going to want to grab your ticket. Now, I believe what the link is below abs or where is the link? Yeah, the link is also on this tweet on Twitter. So I retweeted this. We'll pin it on our profile as well. Um, Yeah, you want me to go, Selman? I was just going to say something real quick. Um, I, I feel like because, you know, where we are in the, in the macro, um, this one's going to feel a lot more private, not, not as big as the, the, the one before. So I think it's more of a kind of VIP experience. I was talking to Jackie, it's a lot more private because you think about where we're going to be at next year or even the following year, we're going to be in the middle of a bull market and it's going to be absolutely crazy. And so I think this thing's going to get even bigger. So I think this one's going to be really cool because it's going to be uh, a little bit smaller, and it's going to feel a lot more kind of private and more of a kind of VIP experience. You know, what's cool is that one of the original listeners from our first retreat, Johnny texted me yesterday. So that just goes to show that these relationships are long-term. One of these guys, he reached out, he just found our show and was so excited. He's like, I can't believe I finally found your show. We hadn't talked in two years and it was great to connect with him, but we do have some other stories that I'd love to get to today. And this is one of the most important as the SEC is coming after a Bitcoin crypto mining company. The SEC has just filed a case alleged that selling crypto mining equipment and offering hosting services constitutes as an investment contract under the Howey test. Yes, you read that correctly. The SEC is coming after Bitcoin now. And this is what me and Gonzo were talking about before the show. The tribalism in this market is ridiculous. It's us against the regulators. It's us against the private institutions. It's not Bitcoin against Ethereum or XRP against ETH. This is a primary example of that. So Gonzo, before I break down the details, can you just give us some thoughts about why that is so important? Yeah, I mean, it's something definitely to pay attention to. This case is just kind of starting out. It just got filed. But it's absolutely just insane to me that Bitcoin has mining has been around since the beginning, right? And all of a sudden now the SEC has an issue with it. You know, it's been so many years. There's never been a problem. And then now all of a sudden it constitute an investment contract, right? And like you said, it's so important. Like we need to put the tribalism aside. And I, I think our community is 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 different in that way because, you know, we love XRP. You know, you guys like to give me a lot of shit, but we love Ethereum. You know, some of us have Bitcoin. We have so many different blockchains because we don't know which one's going to win, but it's really not us against each other. It's us against the regulators. Absolutely. And that's becoming more clear by the day, Johnny Crypto. I'm kicking it right to you, but first... This case was filed in the federal court of Utah, and some of the mining machines issued are Bitcoin ant miners. So to his knowledge, the SEC has never issued any guidance or even hinted that selling mining equipment could be considered an unregistered securities offering. Many public companies are doing business in the U.S. today are selling mining equipment not only online, but also offering hosting services right now. So this is the beginning of the apocalypse for a lot of these XRP miners. You're fighting for your life in the same way that Ripple was originally two years ago. Johnny, open floor, my friend. You know, at the end of the day, Abs, what I always say, there's no surprise here. Remember this? Anybody remember this? What does it say? What do we say here? 
There we go. It's a nice big bold letter. There's no surprise. Of course, anything that's not a CBDC is going to be attacked. Everything, everything. And you because what happens? All these crypto technologies are a competition to the current banking system. That means you you play outside of what they control, and that's not going to happen. I said it a year ago on this show. They're not going to let it happen. That's why I wrote that sign, because that's the narrative you're going to hear for the next year, two years, three years, four years, until they get it to the point where it's so minimal and they're not, it's not a threat anymore. Then they'll let it, you know, they'll let it live a little bit. But to me, I'm no, no surprise whatsoever that they're going to find every angle to go after everything. And of course, they weren't going to leave Bitcoin alone because it's the biggest crypto out there. And if it gets too big and people start playing outside the system, it would be hard to stop. And that's why you're seeing them find an angle to get in there and drill away and try to try to take it down too. So don't be surprised when they say, yep, if you try to do that, that's going to be a security. No question about it. No question about it. They're going to, they're going to most likely, you know, win that case. Gentlemen, this is another narrative we've heard from Gary Gensler in the past couple of weeks where he's tried to distance himself from the Ethereum Alliance by stating everything besides Bitcoin is an unregistered security. Well, we thought that Bitcoin may be getting a free pass here. It turns out that's not the case as the SEC is attempting to extend its jurisdiction of sales to mining equipment. And just as the latest growing line of cases in the SEC is attempting to stretch beyond their statutory authority, if there was ever a time for Congress to step in, this is the time. We need a rule book. Selman, give me some of your thoughts. Do you guys remember like two years ago when this SEC case started, all of a sudden Vitalik Buterin was uh, was negatively commenting on XRP and saying it, it, stating it's a shit coin. It deserves it, right? And so we believe, you know, Ethereum had a free pass as well. And now it, with the FTX scandal, like you, you see a lot of things, like behind so many things, there is Gary, always Gary, right? It's so weird. And the SEC actually. So, um, and then now what, what Ripple actually did, and like shout out to Brett Gowlinghouse. He was always saying that, guys, this is not a fight of ripple um only it's it, they're not fighting like attacking us they're attacking the whole crypto industry this is why we're fighting and we need support and so coinbase like years later joined as well and and wants to help um ripple but in general you guys can see this industry is so small yet like still so small and ripple and we all investors we say xrp investors only we say, hey, we need to come together. The SEC is currently attacking Ripple, but that doesn't mean that it won't attack Ethereum. Just because they got a free pass right now doesn't mean the SEC can't come up with another excuse tomorrow and say, oh, wait a minute, you got a free pass from us, but like this is a security and then attack them anyway, right? It can happen. And so we need to come together. You, you can't trust these people anymore. Oh, it's amazing that you have this, um, <laughs> this uh, tweet here. It's, it's hilarious, right? And um, this is why I believe Ripple is doing a fantastic job. And after this lawsuit case, and I really hope that Ripple wins, you can expect how the narrative will change among investors. And they will be like, man, these guys have been fighting nonstop and they fought the government and we won, right? Like uh, me as a crypto investor, if you're not invested in XRP, that's fine. You're still a crypto, crypto investor and you're still a winner. And with that narrative, I believe things will change in the space. And then we, we are taking over and fighting against these, um, you know, um, government enforcements. Um, but for now, what Gary is doing there, I'm, I'm like 
insane. That Bitcoin Maxi, I really want to know what Bitcoin Maxis think about this and Ethereum Maxis think about, about this at the moment because it's a clear attack on the whole crypto industry. Johnny, this reminds me of when Mark Yusko said, you're able to judge how good an idea is by how big their enemies are. And this is a great enemy right here to have for Ripple as Vitalik Buterin said, it looks like the Ripple slash XRP team is sinking to new levels of strangeness. They're claiming that their shit coin should, be called a should not be called a security for public policy reasons, namely because Bitcoin and Ethereum are Chinese controlled currencies. And guys, I know I had to swear, but that's Vitalik Buterin's tweet himself, Johnny. Give me some of your thoughts about Vitalik criticizing XRP. What does that mean about the success of this project? Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you're bashing your competitor, it means you're typically, you know, are th feel threatened by them. So although Ethereum was in a good position anyway, and it's a di it serves a different market. Um, but, you know, no surprise here that we see a little back and forth bittering happening. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, we know that Bitcoin was primarily mined in China. That's why he says Chinese controlled. I'm not so sure why he was calling Ethereum Chinese controlled. Or why 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 they did do that, but nonetheless, I think what's important isn't so much any of this bittering back and forth. What's important is where do we see, at the end of the day, the outcome of this case? Where, what what do we what do we get? And now the reality is, do we get an appeal and then the second appeal, and then what happens with the secondary sales? So that's all a part of it from the ripple perspective. But no surprise there, abs to see them going after. But you you know you do say a big enemy, but I'm not so sure Ethereum is that big. The bigger enemy is the SEC. That's the real enemy. And, and or I should say the big, the big 800 pound gorilla. And so certainly, you know, you're right. We'll see how this whole threat plays out. I'd love to close it out with Gonzo here. Gonzo, we talked about XRP throughout the episode and, and Johnny just referenced something. If It's not Ethereum we have to worry about. It's the SEC and many of the other regulators in the United States. And Jeremy Hogan is commenting on how that key expert was removed, stating to Ripple's incentives and actions influence the XRP price, they're not able to prove this. They are not able to prove that anyone who was purchasing XRP was directly anticipating profits from Ripple, and that in and of itself could allow them to win this case. So just to close it out here, open floor, what does it mean to you, man? Yeah, I mean, it means that the judge is a smart lady. And, and like I said, she's starting to strip down the case. She saw that that's not relevant or she doesn't believe that. So she's absolutely taking that out of the case, right? Um, as far as what we were talking about before with Ethereum, you know, just because Ethereum has gotten a pass thus far doesn't mean they're continue to get a pass. You could already see what's happening with the new case against the Bitcoin mining thing. You never know when Gary might slap some type of lawsuit um, on Ethereum. That remains to be seen. So really, you know, it's sad that Vitalik is talking shit because he really should be rooting for Ripple because if they lose the case, um, then it's open season on all um, whether it's proof of stake or proof of work, it's going to be open season on all the different blockchains. Absolutely, guys. And the last article I feel like we should touch is that Amazon is going to be launching a new NFT platform in April of this year. And the most important detail here, they're annexing the public from getting some profits. They're planning on launching this on a private blockchain, according to multiple sources. And Amazon could also be launching a token that would be unable to be purchased by many of the retail consumers. So what is this doing? It's creating an ecosystem specifically for Amazon to profit. And this is what we're talking about with CBDCs. It seems like Amazon has taken a page out of their book. We only got a couple of minutes left, so I'm just going to kick it to Johnny. Any quick thoughts on this article? Yeah, that was always my fear. I always wondered in the long run, were they going to allow these things to be public? Because if it's public control, that means it's it's, it's subject to um, variability. And they don't want that, right? So I'm not surprised at the end of the day to see these companies creating their own private chains with, with control only to them. 
I think you're going to see more, more, and more of that. And the only thing that maybe might be investable bias might be, you know, maybe the technology that allows interoperability between them, like something like a quant or a chain link. And again, I don't know, but if I had to guess, that's most likely you're going to have all these different private things and some will talk and some won't. But to me, that's probably going to be the best play is looking to play in interoperability. Absolutely, guys. And we got 262 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Tomorrow, we got Showtime 2KX joining the show. So I'm really excited to connect with an old friend. But guys, we'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thanks for joining us. Let's go. Let's go. Love you guys.